Hello, I'm Laura Furiosi, divorced mother of three, and I'm here with my mother, Lynette Galvin, with 35 years' experience in family law. You're listening to the Divorce Course Podcast. Through our candid discussions, we hope to help you through your divorce or de facto separation. We will be answering the most commonly asked questions and covering the stages and steps that you will face on your way to freedom. Many of you have written in and asked about overseas travel, interstate And what are some tips for creating orders that will work for you and your family? So today we're going to be talking with Lynn, a family lawyer expert with 35 years experience, about what kind of things you could put in your orders to make sure that if your co-parent is taking your children overseas, how that can work for you, but also what things you can't really have in your orders and what you can do about it if you don't have orders currently, but you'd like to take your children overseas. That's a lot. Welcome. (laughs) Ambitious. Yeah. Let's see how much we can get okay. through. Hello, everyone. Now, the last time we did a TikTok live, we had some people asking questions while we were recording our podcast. Oh, okay. And one of those questions was about travel. Oh. And uh, I edited it out of our actual podcast episode, but I was like, we need to do an episode on that. Mm. So here we are. Give us the rundown. Uh, just to start with, is it normal to have overseas overseas clauses in your parenting agreements and parenting consent orders and orders. Okay. It's normal (laughs) those things. Yes, it's pretty normal these days. I mean, it didn't used to be, but then the court found that people were having to bring an application to get the passport application signed and all of that. So the court tends to make the orders all at once now. Um, And they're fairly even-handed orders and, uh, and it depends on where you're likely to be going. Uh, what sort of actual orders you make. Let's start off with what are some like really basic normal orders? So say you're you're coming to an agreement, you're going to get parenting consent orders, you don't need to go to court and you're going to just put it all in. What kind of things should people be thinking about including? Okay, so so first of all, it would be that each person will do everything necessary to sign the an application to get a passport for a child. Um, that okay. um, there'd usually be an order permitting um, each parent at different times upon the giving of a certain amount of notice, maybe like 30 days notice or two months notice, to take the child overseas um, either during their block holiday time or um, it may be not quite on the holiday time, like if they're going for someone's birthday or, or a wedding or whatever. Um, so it tells you, you usually set your parameters. Like you might say, um, that as long as it doesn't interfere with the children's schooling or as long as they are only taking them to a Hague Convention country, that is a country which, which we've got a reciprocal agreement that any of our kids that sort of get stolen to over there, the courts there will send them straight back to the country they came from, that sort of thing. Sometimes you'd want to know uh, their itinerary, so you might put a clause in that each of you will give the other person a copy of the itinerary so you know where your kids are on any given day. Mm. If you're going to be missing out on time or the other person is, there usually would be arrangements for phone communication or FaceTime during the holiday. And and sometimes if you've lost, missed out on time, the kids have missed out on time with you, there might be an order that says that upon their return, the children will spend the next five nights with the mother or the father, you know, just something kind of to make it up to the other person. So... There's a real, you really need to make them fair because it applies to both parents. And I think that's why they don't have as much trouble getting agreement on those as with other things. In your experience, is it better to have the travel clause in 
Or if you think, oh, I'm never going to travel overseas, I'm never taking the kids overseas, I can't afford to fly, let alone take seven kids with me. Do, do you always recommend that people put travel clauses in for overseas holidays? There's no harm in it if if there's likely to be agreement. Let's say uh, you've got three kids and they're nearly 18 and getting their own passports anyway and you know for sure that you're not going overseas in the next few years, but does that mean the other person isn't? And you t- things might change. You know, you might mm. win a trip to yeah. Disneyland or Lotto. So um, it certainly is cheaper to negotiate it while everyone's negotiating rather than just... Mm wait until this situation crops up and then there's the urgency of trying to get an application in in time to get the passport, in time to get the trip book, you know. Uh, it just okay. too much power to the other person. So my next question for you is you said sometimes people put in the clause itinerary yeah. where you share with your co-parent or your ex mm. the itinerary of where you're going and what you're going to do. Is that normal? Like, not, just that, not, like if you have a, an, an abusive ex or a manipulative and controlling ex, I'm sure the last thing people listening would want to do yeah. is share their holiday <laughs> itinerary. <laughs> You're like, oh, we're going to go here, we're no, going to go no. here. And, yeah. <laughs> so it's not like that. It's not like uh, I'm going to an amazing holiday in Rome and on this day we're going to the Colosseum and on this day we're going to the, no. What you're saying is, uh, we're going to Rome, Italy, town is important. We're staying at this hotel and we'll be there for okay. five nights or four nights. Or I'm go- we're going to England to see that see my grandma and we'll be staying at my grandma's place for the two weeks. You don't need too mm. much detail. Um, but, you mm. know, if you've got shared parental responsibility or equal shared parental responsibility, they do need to know. And who's thinking about not wanting to sh- maybe not wanting to share with your abusive ex, how comforting it would be to to know exactly where the the kids are at the time at any time. So it cuts both ways. I guess if you're a listener and you have an abusive bag, well, if they were taking the kids overseas, would you want to know? Yeah. And I guess when it comes to that that planning of holiday arrangements, international or domestic, it's really important to know that. And then with passports, mum, they talk about what are the different ways you can arrange that. You said that if their orders can say they have to sign things by certain sure. dates, but who's going to look after them? That kind of thing. That's the tricky one. So generally, the person who's got the children most of the time, if there is someone who's got most of the time, will generally hold the passport. Or Mm. if you've got a person with overseas relatives who's likely to be going overseas more often than perhaps you are, the person who's less likely to go overseas hangs on to the passports and then must deliver them to the other parent within seven days. So either I always make it either that the person who's got the kids most of the time has the passport because you don't just use it for travel, of course. You use it for identification and things. And But if you've got someone who I kind of worry about might be like a flight risk, might might tend to take the kids when it's not their turn and just go um, because they've got connections overseas, then I don't want those people to have the passport. The court would normally give it to the other parent and who must surrender it to them on, on, you know, on request. So that leads me to another question. Uh What happens if they do take the passports and And you haven't got agreement yet and it's all up in the air and they're like, I'm just going to take the kids overseas, see you later. They've got the passports, they take the kids. What are you supposed to do in that situation? Well, it's a hard thing. So you need to bring what's called, you need to bring an urgent application to the court 
and this is if you don't want the kids to go, and you you get in touch with the Australian Federal Police and fill in a form. It's called a PACE alert, P-A-C-E, and you fill in the form and ask them to stop these people. If they see your children at the airport or the getting on a cruise ship, they stop them and don't let the children leave. Not stopping your other person leaving, the ex leaving, but the children don't have to leave and they'll get taken into custody. It's tricky though. What if they've left and they've said, yep, we're coming back in two weeks and they don't don't come back? That happens. And and I'm hoping that would never happen to any of our listeners ever or any of your clients, I'm sure, Mum. But but it's happened. Yeah, it happens a lot. What happens then? Well, uh, you, you better hope that they've taken the children to what we call that Hague Convention country. Because they're okay. someone, our, our government authority, the central authority in Australia talks to the central authority, I don't know, say France, right? They'll talk to the central mm-hmm. authority in France and the people in France, that, that um, government, in, well, that government body in France brings an application on your behalf to get the kids back here to this country. So the uh, right. best thing to do, though, is be preventative about it. So keeping the passport with the person who's least likely to travel away and do the wrong thing. Um, If someone does go with the children and maybe says, I'm not coming back, um, that's a Mm -hmm. serious issue. You need to get to a lawyer and get to court as soon as you can. Yeah. And Mm. the other thing, Laura, when people come home from holidays, I want our listeners to remember if you're writing a clause, writing clauses about getting a passport and how much notice and the itinerary and everything, don't forget to make an arrangement for who, how soon the passport gets handed back to the person that's looking after them. Because sometimes um, I've seen orders where uh, some people have forgotten to put that clause in and it doesn't get oh, a deadline. Gosh. So it might say the, the father is going to hold the passports or the mother's going to hold the passports but it doesn't say how many days after the trip is over the passport has to be given back. Mm. Ah, clever. So yeah. that's something you should make sure is in your orders yes. or your agreement. Absolutely. Um, how, much, how much notice should you be putting in your agreement or orders? Uh, how much notice should an, the co-parent give to you before they take them overseas? Or how much notice do you should is a reasonable amount of time to give the co-parent okay. notice? So, so if it's like a holiday or um, Christmas or something, I think 60 days, two months is plenty of time for you to have the, uh, if you're asking to go overseas and you give notification that you're going and the other party won't hand over the passport, you'll need that two months to get to court to get an order to get the passport, you know, so two months. And if you're the person who's other, the other parents going overseas, well, and you don't uh, want them to go, then you've got two months to bring an application if you if there's a good reason. Like say they want to go to Ukraine, yeah, you wouldn't be sending that and wouldn't be letting them go. I just didn't finish that last thought. If it's for a funeral or something sudden, I think a shorter time by agreement might be okay. Mm. You know, uh, mm. yes. So what are some good reasons to stop them going overseas? Uh, you can put in your orders that the children aren't to travel to any country that the um, governor, government website, that Smart Traveller, has listed mm. as either reconsider your need to travel or do not travel. So you could somehow link That's your right. parenting agreement or your orders to say yeah. uh, only go yeah. to countries where the government isn't warning against travel to? 
I'm glad you were listening, Laura. <laughs> I was listening. <laughs> it's the usually the um, Smart Traveller mm-hmm. website at the moment. Okay. But when you're writing up orders, you put in, um, we can always put a link, but what you do is you put an order in that the government advisory for a particular, so the children can be taken by the other person to visit a country and by you to visit a country provided that it's um, level of safety is not listed on the um, Smart Gov. Um, smart traveler website as reconsider your need to travel do not travel you know just so what you want is either just use normal precautions just something um that level mm. so if you make your orders like five years ago i was saying ukraine might have been a fine place to go and visit at the moment though you probably wouldn't mm. and i think you will see that the um, government advisory will say uh, do not travel might even just go do not travel now what about during a pandemic? And this is all general advice only. So during the pandemic for travel, is there something you can put in your parenting agreement or parenting orders? Because we, I know we had a lot of issues with people God, figuring was, things yeah. out for p- the pandemic. So what kind of things are put in orders now for that kind of, or is it the same government travel advice? Yeah, no. So that's a different level. So the government travel advice assumes everyone's free to travel and you can do what you like. They're just advising mm-hmm. you. But the government put a ban on travel, remember, mm-hmm. and that was a completely different thing. You don't have to worry about that because they just weren't there allowed was no to go. Travel. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Except if there was a valid reason. So, um, yeah, so this is a different thing. This is a thing that has existed well before uh, the pandemic. Um, that's not to say pandemic situations won't rise again, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and all orders about kids and all parenting plans should have that the children spend time with the other parent at all times as agreed between the parties. And you hope some people will exercise some common sense during that thing. I mean, it was worrying in the early stages. Say say we were coming up to the pandemic, you could see that it was going to be a problem Mm -hmm. and maybe you can see some other countries had already started to lock down. Um, That might have been an opportunity when you didn't want your child travelling over there in case, and I'm sure there were Mm -hmm. some people who were trapped in another country. Uh, for two years nearly. So that's terrible. Mm. Yes. So you you just try and cover those things. And also, like I said, a Hague Convention country, the list of people who've signed up, list of countries that agree that if any of Australian kids end up over there, they will send them straight back here if there's an argument about custody. And we've agreed if we get any of their kids here, instead of applying our law, we will send it straight back to them. All right. Now let's go on from overseas. So make sure you include something about the passports, when you get them, when you get them back. Make sure you include the safety level for the government and the amount Mm -hmm. of time you want for notice and potentially some makeup time as well. Yep. And some phone, video. And your itinerary. Just think about everything you'd like to know if they take your, if mm. your co-parent takes your children overseas. Now, mum, have you come across though some people that are like, nah, I do not want my ex taking my children overseas. No way. It's not happening. Do mm. they ever get their way or what happens there? Mm. Well, if they don't agree and you're negotiating consent orders mm. or parenting plans, well, it just doesn't happen, does it? No. Uh, but I must say the judges are keen to put some mechanisms in place. Mm. I think the judge feels, judges I think are trying um, in general to to make orders that least likely to lend to further proceedings, to put the kids through more pressure. Um, if, the, if the kids get perhaps a sporting opportunity, if there's orders in place, everyone knows exactly where they stand mm. and the kids know that the parents have got it under control and there's a mechanism 
for them. But can I mm. ask, how many cases do you see going to court over being allowed to go overseas traveling? There used to be heaps. Um, they, and they were invariably urgent and rushed, mm. either stopping someone or demanding the passports to get to be allowed to go. And I think that's why the court's gone the way they have. Mm. Um, I don't, I haven't personally been involved in any um, overseas ones since um, the pandemic started. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's mostly people are worried sometimes about, especially with 50-50 shared care, a parent might like to take a child overseas in that week even, mm. just maybe something frivolous, but they're missing school. So that would be the sort of thing. But, you know, hopefully people are sensible about it. Have you found that judges, they're pretty much, if you're fighting your ex, you're refusing to agree, and they're like, well, if you don't agree to overseas travel in our agreement, I'm going to take you to court. Are you finding that judges pretty much agree to doing that most of the time? Would you like us to take away the overwhelm of the divorce process and give you the step-by-step guide on what to do at each part of the process and show you how to do it? Even giving you the correct wording and legal templates that you can use for your property or parenting agreement? Would you like us to show you how to do your own negotiations and mediations and keep it out of court? Well, then you're invited to the DIY Divorce Blueprint. It is the only training of its kind that shows you exactly how you can do your own divorce, property and children's settlements, mediations and negotiations so that you can finally move on with your life without having to spend thousands of dollars on lawyers and years in limbo. Go to www.thedivorcecourse.com.au backslash enroll to find out more today. Join us now. If you're fighting your ex, you're refusing to agree and they're like, well, if you don't agree to overseas travel in our agreement, I'm going to take you to court. Are you finding that judges pretty much agree to doing that most of the time? They'll make the orders. Yes. They'll make the orders because in the old days, we used to have to make a case for why it was beneficial for the kids to go, Mm. you know. Mm. It might have been educational or it might be to connect with their family, extended family. Mm. And always, really, the judges felt that the bit of school they were missing was made up for by the experiences they were having, particularly if the person wanting to take them overseas could produce work that, you know, being given from the school. And nowadays with the internet, of course, Mm. The child can do their schoolwork all around the world. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they are very, the, the court has generally been uh, quite sympathetic to someone who wanted to take a child overseas. So if you don't have orders and you're creating them mm. and in, you're negotiating, you're mediating, then make sure you try and include all of this in there so that even if you're mm. not planning on going anywhere anytime soon, that it, if for any reason you do need to go, you've got, you've got this backup so you're not going to be arguing and going back to court. If you don't have orders and you desperately do need to get, go overseas, what do they do? Well, try to get an agreement and just hope they don't renege on it at the last minute. Ask them to sign the documents. That's why I think 60 days notice is good. Give them a couple of months. Tell them you'll give me, send the documents you need them to sign. If they don't, give them a deadline and go to court within 14 days. There's plenty of time for them to sign a passport application. Um, and if they look like they're not going to agree, get that application to the court started. Yeah. I, I know someone who won a trip to Disneyland. Um, and so, yeah, so that was something they hadn't ever thought 
that they'd go overseas and here you go, they won that. So it's best to have it in mm. there. And I have heard because of the passport uh, debacle that's happened in Australia with all the data being mm. breached and everyone having to get it's, new passports, plus everyone getting to new passports since the pandemic. Since and, COVID. Uh, yeah. the, there is a significant wait time to get a passport. Yeah. So if you are thinking about travelling with your littlies, then get that sorted way 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 in advance and and I have heard mm-hmm. some advice from other lawyers in the past who have spoken to me about overseas travel for another podcast and they recommended that you get that passport signing paperwork and everything done in the negotiations not not oh that's a good idea if you're going to court get it all done during court time so yeah yes. so I thought that was a good idea I often do that with other stuff so if they're saying of course we'll agree you can quickly print out the application and send it over with their lawyer to get them to sign. We'll put put up or mm. shut up, really. <laughs> and because you've got your judge there yeah. who will probably make the order. Now, have yeah. you, uh, we're about to get on to domestic travel interstate. Okay. Um, but have you ever had any uh, people where the, the other parent has moved overseas um, mm. or they spend half their time overseas and then they come back to Australia uh, and they want to take the kids with them with their during their lives with time. Is it what happens there? And I know I've just asked you probably a question that's going to take seven hours to answer, but in a condensed no, form, it's not really. Oh, okay, good. Okay. So what happens there? Okay. Uh, the the court's premise is that a child's best interests are served by having a relationship with both parents. Mm-hmm. So sending a child overseas or allowing a child to go and live overseas with a different with one parent to the exclusion of another, assuming everyone starts out in Australia, mm-hmm. wouldn't be in the child's best interest. So they would say, um, because in fact the High Court has said that no, um, the parent who's overseas makes the choice. If they want to have time with the child, they come back. If they don't want to have time, then they go and do their job. Right. But it's not just the, the local parent who has to make accommodations. So it's a choice ah. that that parent's made. All right. That, yeah. And that dives us in nicely dovetailed into domestic. So yes, a parent might get a, a co-parent might get another job in interstate and they mm. move. They've got orders yep. and they move to WA or, I don't know, wherever they move to. Uh, mm. And this is Australian obviously, um, and it's general yep. advice only. But what happens then? What What's the court view then? Is it the same as moving overseas? Well, uh, no, not not as, well, I guess a little bit it is, mm. but the cases I was referring to were overseas. Um, I think what the court says is that's not, it's not um, reasonably practical for a child to spend half and half time mm. with these parents one of them's moved away. So the one who's moved away will find themselves restricted to, pardon me, Christmas, like school holidays and maybe long weekends and any opportunity they get to come from whatever state they're working in back to the the state where their child, the town where their child lives and they can have some extra time then. Um, again, I think that a that provision that you have an option to move or not to move and that's a choice that you've made, therefore you can't expect um, everyone else to up and go with you. You know, yes. it's... it's. Yeah. So if you don't have court orders yet, if our listeners don't have court orders mm. uh, or a parenting mm. agreement and one of their part, their, their, one of the co-parents moves over, I don't know, mm. interstate and there's no orders mm. yet, is that still going to mm. apply because they're going to say, well, he or she moved, so it's her choice, so the child then stays with the parent that didn't move? Well, yes, as long as... 
um, that's if you ask the court. That I think that's what they'll say. But, of course, some people move and then just withhold the child. There's no court orders, so they just keep little Jimmy or, or little Jenny wherever they are mm. and don't hand them back because there's no court orders. And it's a terrible thing to try to get them back. Yeah. Um, so, yes, you, you really should put something in place in that situation. Mm. Um and yeah, they and obviously what they're doing is going to disrupt the whatever arrangement the kid has or the children have between their parents. Mm. And so the court won't the court will take a pretty dim view. Normally we'll haul the child back. They can't order the parent back, mm. but they can order the child an order for the child to be recovered and brought back uh, to the place where they started. So it's a risky thing to do, but it's a lot of palaver to get a child back. Now, do you remember mm. in a webinar we did where someone asked us a question and um, mm. they were saying that their ex-partner had order, so had an agreement written up for her to sign that was saying that she couldn't move more than 15 or 20 kilometres oh, from where she was living yes. and they set a radius barrier for her to not be able to move out of. Is that a thing or is that just crazy? I think a lot of people do try and put them in orders, but the judge, judges by and large don't. I think the that's um, it's restricting a person's movement. It's illegal under the Constitution. Mm. A person's allowed to move wherever they want to in Australia. You can make an order that a parent not take the child out of a certain area, um, but you can't order a parent not to move. Um, but having said that, uh, a better order, if anyone's doing this now, is to say that neither parent will move out of um, to a to a location that makes the parenting arrangements significantly more difficult or that is more than an hour's travel. And if they do move, say, more than an hour's travel away or whatever, um, then this is the arrangement and you put an alternative arrangement, which is probably the school holidays, which talks about who pays for the travel if that's the situation mm. and all that. So, yes, you, you, it's don't, don't get sucked into assigning anything like that, guys, because, again, who can tell what's going to happen? You know, particularly if you've got little children, you've got another 12 years, you might, you know. Marry again and move somewhere else, else. yeah. Well, yeah. you might move into a fancy house or or it's just, yeah, just don't go in, yeah. don't go there. So don't general do, advice only, but, Mum, you're saying mm. don't sign anything that restricts your living ability move to it. move and, and it's unlikely yeah. that a judge is going to agree to, to, to that as an order. And even a registrar and consent orders wouldn't agree to it because it is against the constitution. But you can twist the words or, t or change the words. I shouldn't say twist the words. You can change it <laughs> so that the kids aren't to be taken out of a certain area, and that might be something you want. Okay. You know? So, have you ever come mm. across kids that fly every second weekend off to Sydney? No, don't. But kids no. that fly every school holidays off school to Sydney holidays. or. Long weekends, yep, and sometimes they fly unaccompanied, um, depending on the guidelines from the airline. Yeah. Uh, sometimes the parent who's picking up the children flies down or up and gets them and brings them home. Sometimes they spend time. I'm pretty sure I sat what? next to one when I was on a plane once, and I'm a I'm a terrible flyer. I hate flying, and I've been all over the world, which is hilarious. But I was terrified, and. Um, she she was accompanying me. A little kid. <laughs> She's a little with a little badge saying, "I you know I'm, a, oh. I'm a unaccompanied 
flyer or whatever and she was going that's just the landing gear that's just the sound of the wheels. <laughs> so she obviously had been doing it a fair bit so I, I guess there are kids yep. out there that do it and they they learn oh, to, yeah. to adapt and if you if you are yep. someone who has to move I guess there are ways to deal with it but you've got to make a big decision because that ultimately it's your choice to leave that space yes yes and you'll find if it's you that leaves um, you might find that the court doesn't let the child live with you in that circumstance. Can I just ask you, so, um, what if they were coerced in their relationship to move to a, to a different place where all their family are in some other state, all their friends? Uh, is there ever a way that you can say to the judge, please, like, I really, I've got no one here, I'm on my own, can I just go mm-hmm, back to the school? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you've just explained the scenario of the High Court case of MRR and GRR, um, which we used to call Rose's case. And in that case, there was a lady in, and it's published, so it's not me, not my client, um, a lady uh, who'd moved from Sydney with her partner. It wasn't coercive. They'd both gone to Mount Isa for him to work. Um, And when they separated, she wanted to go home to her family in Sydney. The judge at first instance, the lower judge wouldn't let her move, and she was living in a caravan, terribly depressed, just so that her her ex partner could have the child, um, you know, four days a week, mm. um, and then the the uh, full court agreed with that. But the high court said that's ridiculous. It's got to be reasonable. We've got to look at the best interests of the child. How's that making a good thing for a child if one parent's devastatingly depressed? Mm. So yes, you would have to bring an application. And what the court does is they don't decide whether. Sydney's better than Mount Isa or, or, you know, any or whether there was coercion. What they do is they decide who's best placed to care for the children full time. And, you know, and in this case, in Rose's case, it wasn't the father. He was working all the time in the mines, hadn't really had a lot to do with the kids. So, Can I ask you, yeah. um, and thanks the soccer mum for sharing our love, that's lovely. <laughs> um, and I love your name, by the way. Yeah. Um, but can I ask you, do you have to notify, like when you notify the parent, the other parent that you're going overseas uh, and you've mm. got that 60-day clause that you can put in, do you have to notify the parent if you're going interstate? Say you're going for the weekend or a school holidays and you're, you're, you're flying off to Sydney or you're flying off to Tassie, is that mm. is that something you need to notify the other parent of? No. As long as you're going to have the children back in time for changeover, mm. uh, what you do in your time is what you do in your time. Mm. Um, and the Commonwealth Government is the whole of Australia mm. and Christmas Island and a couple other little islands. And so the Commonwealth Government doesn't try to restrict between states. Now, this is hilarious in, in light of what happened in COVID. Well, when you could where go our boundaries, yes. our borders were, up until then, from, from when we went into Federation in 1901 until COVID mm. in 2020, um, no one took any notice of borders anymore. You could just go, you know, back and forth and then suddenly they became a thing. So I think in a pandemic situation, yes, mm-hmm. um, but generally no. Isn't that And don't forget, I mean, I live on the border, mm. so I could take a child interstate in 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, no. yeah. 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 Okay, so it's interesting, though, that we do get a lot of listeners uh, writing in saying, mm. oh, I, he's going to or she's going to take them to... Victoria and I had no idea and is this allowed this is outrageous so I guess some mm, yeah. do have to learn how to let go of a little bit of that 
Hmm. concerned because I guess you're right it's all Australian it's all the same country so that's no big deal even though it might feel like a big deal to some of you but that is the way it is yeah I mean you might think it's hard on the kids to fly if someone decides to go to Perth for a six or five days and it's from Brisbane's a long flight and all of that Hmm. but just think when the children are with you you don't want control of what you do with the kids so that the court tends to like say while you're in this person's care you know that, that while the kids are in this person's care, they get to make the decisions. Okay. All right. Yeah. So is there anything in your 35 years of experience that you think <laughs> that is weird or wonderful or out of the box when it comes to travel with writing orders? Is there anything that you've seen that, you know, mm. that's a bit out of the box or have you? Yeah. 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 So, so you might, you might both come from a country that's not a Hague Convention country. I mean, the United States didn't sign up until the 2000s. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, there are a lot of countries that aren't Hague Convention countries, but you might think it's it's okay for them to go there. You need the children to go, but you haven't got the mechanism to get them back like you would if a country had signed up to the Hague Convention. Mm. Um, so what we did before the Hague Convention, and with countries that aren't in the Hague Convention, you might make an order that someone has to deposit some money into an account. Um, Like we had won $10,000 before the – it was kind of like a surety. Uh, So we let the child – my client let the child go to this country, um, but the other parent had to put $10,000 in a bank account, give our client copies of the return tickets for all of them to prove they were coming home, Mm -hmm. Um, and that 10000 either got given back to the person when he brought the kids back or it was used for legal fees to recover the child ah. from the country. So that's a bit of an out-of-the-box one. That's like always in the back of my mind that you could do that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's like bail, isn't it, really? Kind of like bail. <laughs> yeah. But it just gives a little bit more comfort to the mm. person to let them go. Mm. And, uh, you know, we'd, in the end... Uh, that money got given back because the parent came back. Mm. But, you know, my client was a little bit calmer about it. Okay. And we've got to wrap it up in a minute, Ma, but it, um, and if there's yep. any questions about overseas travel that anyone on TikTok would like to ask, please just write a question in. But because I, I look, I've, from the many, many messages that we receive on TikTok, Instagram, mm. Facebook, and through our podcasts, I have noticed that there is a lot of particularly women that are very nervous about their partners, their ex-partners, if they've been abusive or manipulative and controlling, taking mm. the kids away. Uh, what do you say to them? What What do you say to clients that are in that space? Well, if there is really a valid reason and, and you are, um, there's been something that you can put your finger on and you can identify as a risk maybe don't agree, maybe wait till the kids are a little bit older, um, maybe agree to shorter trips, you know, reduce the time. I mean, it's terrifying. Mm. And sometimes a manipulative and controlling person wants to take the kids overseas precisely because it will freak you out mm. and panic. But there are a lot of mechanisms you can put in place and the governments of most countries have these mechanisms. And so, um, yeah, I doubt your partner will be able to try anything that haven't that hasn't you know, been tried before. That's what you say all the time. Yeah, so, um, yeah. so are you saying they could put in their orders or ask to have in their agreement that uh, the child, the children or the child cannot be taken overseas until they are of 10 years of age? A certain age, that's right. Of age. Or 
at the first time should be no longer than seven days and then, you know, and subsequent time by agreement only, something like that. And do you have any words of advice to anyone who is really let is having a hard time letting go of control mm. and they're asking for orders that make them seem like very controlling people like yeah. what what, it's, what it, does the judge take yeah. that view of and what and what can you say to them yeah it's look i've been there and i understand exactly um so i don't want to dis- disparage it in any way and it's terrible your anxiety about the behavior of your ex towards the children in your lived experience and in the future tends to get twisted in the courts to being controlling, like you say, and looking at controlling and manipulative. Uh, For a long time, and I think there's still an element of it here now, the courts have the view that once the first couple of visits have happened, like, you know, it happens more often letting someone stay overnight, then you can relax. They've proven they can do it. Mm. And so um, I would say to that person, look, try not to put it in the orders. If it's going to give you that much grief, just leave it out and hope they don't ask for it. Um, if it's the only thing still in debate, people might not go to court over just that when there's no particular plans, mm. and that will buy you some time. Um, otherwise, uh, just put in the orders as much comfort as you can you can have, and and you know, and my heart goes out to you because it's going against every instinct that you've got. Okay. Um, yeah. Perhaps reality check with parents or your parents or your brothers and sisters or a friend uh, because you may be traumatised by your relationship with this awful person. Mm. Mm. And maybe um, some other suggestions if it's like maybe the first time you've been away from them for the, for a week or mm. two weeks oh. or a month, yeah. uh, maybe book yourself a holiday so that you don't stay home. Yes. You've said that before, yeah. haven't you, Mum? You don't, don't, if you're not used to it, don't sit in it, don't wallow in it, go and do something you can't do with the kids mm. to kind of Absolutely. Up. Yeah. Yeah, because the house feels empty. It, it'll just, you'll just slide into a really sad depression. So find something good to do and do that and just embrace the, the freedom. Sorry. Mm. Um, and you might feel guilty and you might be worried, um, but, it, you know, most mostly it turns out okay. Last question. <laughs> Okay. Um, if any of our <laughs> listeners have court orders or consent orders already that are locked in because you can't really change yeah. them unless something massive happens, mm. but they don't mention overseas travel, mm. what happens then? Well, try and reach agreement. Give them 60 days' notice. Try and reach agreement. If you can't reach agreement, you can bring an application about passports mm-hmm. because that wasn't dealt with in, in the original orders. So okay. there have been no orders about the passport. So technically, even okay. if you've got final orders, you can ask for a passport order. Or additional stuff. That's okay. right. Yeah, stuff that isn't already in the order. So you're not looking to change those orders. Mm-hmm. You're just wanting fresh orders about a different point, a different aspect. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's a whole new world of uh, other things people need to think about when it comes to creating their own oh my goodness. plans. So thank you, Mum. That's all we really have time for today. But a reminder okay. to everybody, if you are a podcast listener, because obviously this is on TikTok Live yeah. at the moment, if you are listening to us on TikTok, check us out at the Divorce Course Podcast. We're on Apple, Spotify, you name it. But we have to choose a reviewer next week 
to have a free 30-minute oh. chat with the amazing Lynn Galvin, also a.k.a. mum, um, <laughs> and she would love mom. to have a chat with you. So if you would like to give us a written review on Apple, um, we will be choosing one person at random who has given us a review this month. And last time I checked, I don't think we've had any reviews this month, so it might just be whoever writes us oh, okay. a review. Um, yes. Have a 30-minute <laughs> chat with mum. So look out for that, and if you'd like to do yep. that, enter that in. And also go to www thedivorcecourse.com.au. We've got lots of checklists uh, and helpful things that we can help you out with. And of course, we've got our course. So, And if you've got any podcast ideas that you'd like us to cover, uh, please send us an email at thedivorcecoursepodcast at gmail.com. We would love to have some great ideas. But thank you, Mum, for your time. And thank you, everybody on no TikTok Live for listening. Oh, and uh, <laughs> bye, Laura. Bye, TikTok. And you're, you're both fantastic. Thank you for your expertise. And thank Aww. you for the great content. Thank you. Tropical oh, well mediator. done. Thanks. Oh, great. A mediator's listening. All right. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> love you. Bye, guys. Bye, bye, Dale. If you found this podcast helpful, we'd love it if you could rate, review, and subscribe. By doing so, you are spreading the word to help someone else just like you. Lynn would like to remind you that this podcast is general advice only, and you should always get legal advice in relation to your particular situation. And remember that the Australian laws may have changed since recording.